0: Welcome to Corn Ferry Institute's Women CEOs Speak podcast series. I'm Evelyn Orr, Chief Operating Officer of the Corn Ferry Institute, where I lead research and development for the firm. I was honored to lead the research team that produced the Women CEOs Speak research report, and I'm the host for this series of conversations related to how women made it to CEO, what enabled them, what obstacles they encountered, and how they navigated their careers and contributions to arrive at the top. For today's conversation, we'll be focusing on mentors and sponsors and how important they were for women progressing toward the CEO role. Joining me today is Peggy Hazard, an associate client partner at Korn Ferry. She specializes in executive consulting, leadership development, and coaching to help organizations achieve business results through improved global talent strategies and more diverse, inclusive, and agile organizations. Peggy, welcome. Thanks, Evelyn. It's great to be here with you. So Peggy, how prominently did mentors and sponsors figure in preparing these women for the CEO role?
1: I think that what struck me the most was how prominent it was, how important it was, how significant it was in their growth, not only early career, but later career. And it shifted slightly. So mentors were really important early career. And then increasingly, as they rose through the ranks, sponsorship became important. But at least 70% of the women we interviewed described these relationships both early on and then growing through their careers.
0: So you make an important distinction here. Let's talk more about the difference between
1: mentors and sponsors and what we mean It's a really, really important distinction because the word sponsorship has become very fashionable ever since there was an article written about it and its importance in a a career. The, The fundamental difference is that a mentor can be at any level for any level. And a mentor gives you support, feedback, and advice. A sponsor, however, is somebody of influence who works to promote you. So they are navig- helping navigate your career, whether you know it or not. And they are making sure you get the right exposure and experiences. They may provide air cover for you. So they're really, they're really driving your career. So when we reviewed the
0: research that indicated the importance of mentors and sponsors for the women CEOs, one thing I think we didn't expect was how critical these people were to even helping women understand that they had the potential to become CEO. So that was one of the most striking data points I think we saw that 65% of women in the study reported, I didn't consider myself CEO material until someone told me that I had the potential. So I, I would assume that those were mentors and sponsors along the way, pointing that out and tapping them on the shoulder.
1: In many ways, yes, I think it was. Maybe there were other people as well, but it is a pattern that I've seen in the work that I do with executives, women rising through the organization, and we heard with these women as well, was just they keep their heads down and they, they're they very results-oriented, very driven, and they just, you know, worker bees, and not looking up and out across the business and their career and thinking, what could I do? What could I be? And sure enough, with these women executives, quite a few of them told us that they, in some cases, they were in disbelief. Like, what do you mean I could be CEO? Or whatever the stretch role was that they were uh, tapped on the shoulder for.
0: So it seems that the mentors and sponsors really played a role in illuminating both what the women had the potential to become and also illuminating the path for how to become that. Talk to me a little bit about what you saw in terms of what characterized the relationship between the women CEOs and their mentors and sponsors. How did they find these folks? Were they internal to the company, et cetera?
1: Well, first of all, there would be, let's start with the early career, which is where it would more likely be a mentor. And sometimes the mentor could have been a manager, didn't have to be. Um, But there, you know, there's no one recipe for a mentor and there wasn't for these women either. It is whatever you need at the time to navigate where you're trying to go, uh, what you need and what you want. And so it could be internal or external. Most of these women had mentors who were internal and sometimes they didn't even realize they were being quote unquote mentored. I think what the way that these things evolved from what they told us, they were discovered by somebody as producing incredible results and having potential for more. And so the that it was a reciprocal relationship. They were producing results, and the person was realizing, "Wow, I could stretch her more. I could challenge her. I could see her doing this." And uh, the one downside was they didn't necessarily share what they could see in the in the early stages. So they were they might have seen it. They were grooming them in a sense, but the women didn't oftentimes didn't know as early as could be really helpful. So they had you know you'd have runway to to improve. So that was in the beginning of the careers. Sponsors would be either oftentimes they were certainly closer to the CEO role, and often they were the CEO, or a board member. And it takes that kind of power to be able to help pave the way for that the success at those higher levels, the kinds of nuances and connections that are needed. So they would be in their line of sight, but then they were picked up that way. But again, it's always reciprocal. And we find that is one of the most important things organizations can do as they help women be, quote unquote, sponsor ready or get mentors is you earn it. You earn it in a reciprocal way. And that's certainly what these women did. Yeah, I think that point about mutual benefit is really
0: critical, that it's not a one-way street. In fact, when mentors and sponsors are dedicating the time it takes to develop high potential talent, there's some acknowledgement that they're getting something out of it. It's helping them look good. It's helping the business achieve results. It's helping their organization grow. And likewise, the women are benefiting. I think there was there was one woman CEO who talked about really actively seeking out mentors in a very overt way, which wasn't always the case. This was maybe more of the anomaly, but I just thought it was interesting because she said, I just started adopting mentors all over the place, and I I learned by trial and error how to ask people to become a mentor, and only about 10% of the time they would say yes r- right. readily. And I, I think that's interesting because it suggests that we have a desire to look up to someone and to to get that kind of guidance and we need to set our expectations around well who am i looking for what am i what am i looking to get out of the relationship but also what am i willing to give to that relationship and that mutual benefit i think is is really key let's talk a little bit more about how the women ceos benefited from having a mentor certainly we already hit upon this notion that the mentors or sponsors were a mirror, holding up a mirror to show the women their own leadership potential that they maybe weren't able to see for themselves. But Mm -hmm. what were a couple of the other things that that
1: you noticed? Well, I think another key one is tough feedback. And it wasn't always easy. So these relationships aren't always warm and fuzzy. It's that one of the biggest challenges that leaders have as they rise is getting candid feedback about tough issues. And it tends to be that the if there's diversity between the two people, they're even less likely to get it. So one of the reason these women were successful is because they developed relationships with people willing to give feedback and clearly they took feedback, used it, and were quote unquote coachable so that they kept getting it. And that's a really important skill for any rising leader to have is to make yourself open like a feedback sponge is what you need to be. And some of the women talked about how painful it was. Sometimes it was a real tough uh, reaction after a meeting where they messed something up and the people would not cut any corners, just say you <laughs> you messed that one up and you've got to have to go you know, fix it or whatever it was. So it could be pretty straight talk. There
0: was one example where one woman, um, after being in a meeting, where she was fairly harsh with a colleague, her mentor took her aside and and she said of that interaction, she said, I was so embarrassed. He said, I never want to see that again. And she talked about being so devastated and she wanted to cry and she was so upset to have let that person down. But in retrospect, it was really formative. And so given what we know about these women's learning agility and their propensity to constantly be seeking out challenge and being so achievement oriented, even though it was harsh in the moment, they took that in and, and made it part of who they are and, and how they formed themselves as leaders, I think.
1: I think that's the fundamental difference because you don't, you're don't you not born a leader and successful. So just like with a sport, you need a coach, you got to work out, you've got to grow, no pain, no gain kind of thing. And I think mm-hmm. if you manage feedback well and failure well, if you learn how to manage through that and then don't give into it, but learn from it, that distinguishes these women and it distinguishes top leaders. The other thing was that the mentors and the sponsors really helped make the career path more transparent. And I think one of the biggest challenges that happens, and probably starts happening mid-level, is that the steps you should take to rise up are not clear. There's not one way and it's not a cookie cutter set of career stops. So mentors and sponsors can be really useful in what the experiences and movement you need to take, whether it's an expat assignment or in this case, really critical was operational roles. Women would not necessarily veer towards them. And one of the biggest benefits for these women was being guided into those types of roles early on and kept being steered back to really challenging experiences, uh, whether it was a turnaround or a merger or these kinds of things that help build the muscle you need at the top. So that was another thing that they got from these important relationships.
0: I think you mentioned this earlier, the fact that these women CEOs talked about how heads down they were about getting results and the benefit of the mentors and sponsors kind of seeing the full game board and having their heads up and knowing what experiences needed to be collected to get to the next level or to open the next set of doors was a real important partnership. How do you see the benefits uh, that the women gained from having a sponsor? We talked earlier about the difference between mentors and sponsors and and sponsors really being in a position of power. What characterized those relationships?
1: Well, I think the most important thing was that it that it, the order of it's different. It's not just an advisory role, that they're operating other dynamics besides with you. In fact, probably the most important thing of, about a sponsor is what they're doing when you're not in the room. So they would be running interference, providing air cover. They might be reaching out to a colleague uh, or a board member or helping to Uh, connect you better across the enterprise, because you need to have a broader enterprise role and connectivity and understanding. Uh, So I think that those types of things they would be doing, understanding that's what it takes. And what's so important to remember here is that it's not that these women were unique in needing some kind of help with this, is that that's how careers grow in those high stakes and high level areas. The other thing I think is really important was the difference in the types of advice that women were getting what they needed and that was about the business. So how do you really drive strategy? How do you get results? How do you what what's the core that makes this business run, makes it profitable? Not just the leadership chops, you know, the leadership kind of style and issues like that which are the things that women tend to get mentored on the most and not on the business. So what these women got in their relationships was, you know, how do you make this company sing, not not just how do you carry it on yourself as a leader?
0: So the the sponsors are in the room where decisions are being made, and they basically have these women in mind as high potential people who need to get different placements or different roles. And they see them and can speak up for them and advocate for them. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, that's exactly right. And that, in fact, is what happens, whether it's called a sponsor or not. That's what we see. The dynamics of growing an organization is the the influential leaders scan for and identify people they think are high potential and are going to take the business where they believe it needs to go, and then they uh, defend and work On behalf of that person, but it's really for the business. It's for what they believe will produce the best results.
0: One woman shared with me a story about her career where she was in a situation where dual career family, Mm -hmm. children were still at home, and she and the sponsor of hers knew how critical it was for her to get an international operations role. And Mm -hmm. so they had that on the radar, knowing that. That was coming. And the sponsor was participating in these talent conversations about, okay, well, we have this role opening up over in EMEA, or we have this role opening up in APAC. Who's ready? Who should we consider Uh, for these positions. And the sponsor would kind of have conversations with this woman behind the scenes about, okay, this is an opportunity. Is this something that you're interested in? Mm -hmm. Or is this a good time for you? And so in effect, the sponsor enabled her to pick the right opportunity at the right time, given her husband's career, given where her kids were in school, without having to overtly say no, because the sponsor kind of strategically brought her name up when she had had that conversation with her. And I just thought that was a brilliant kind of chess move way of operating to advocate for a highly talented person, but manage the perception issues that might come up around, gosh, you know, my husband can't move right now, or my my child is a senior in high school, and this isn't going to be the year that we're going to move to APAC.
1: Yeah, I actually think that's a great call out because it's a nuance that people might not think about, which is the dialogue that you have about what perceptions can be created. And the whole issue of mobility is a big one. So I had a similar conversation with someone about a, it was kind of a dialing down, dialing up situation and also had to do with family. And what her sponsor did was to provide an opportunity At the moment when she needed something that would allow her more flexibility, it was like a decoy, but it was a legit opportunity. But they created this type of role that she would have for a particular point of time. And then she reentered the mainstream of the business, but they produced it kind of together in order to let her keep her foot in the game, but also adjust her allocation of her job balance a little bit for a period of time. This was earlier in her career. But it's a good example and similar to the one you just talked about in terms of uh, management of a a challenging situation. I noticed a few other
0: stories from the women CEOs about how their sponsors later on, when they were offered a significant position or promotion – whether it was to COO or CEO or, or whatever it was, you mentioned how you know warm and fuzzy is not the primary characteristic of these relationships, and if the women hesitated about taking that position or questioned their skill set or experiences or paused to go home and discuss it, oftentimes the sponsor would say, don't ever do that again. Your answer needs to be yes. And in one particular case, the woman said, I just don't know if I have the financial background to be Mm -hmm. able to take this new job on. And she said, well, the job is finance and operations, do you think that this colleague of yours, do you think he is thinking whether or not he has the operations experience, given that he's rooted in finance? And making the point of don't opt out, don't hesitate, lean in, basically, was were some of the messages at these different critical junctures uh, where opportunity knocked.
1: Right. And I remember that situation you were talking about. And what's interesting is it didn't disappear as they i mean they got stronger and 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 they better risk takers but there still was a tendency to question oneself and there was another situation where it was about going to the board uh, with one of the women we spoke with said she was kind of admonished by another woman CEO who said, why would you apologize when you get into that room? You earned a a seat at that table. Tell them what your vision is and what you're going to do. Don't try to ask for everything and uh, take that seat. So I think one of the things that's an important lesson, at least that, that I gained from talking with these women, was the encouragement that we give each other whether it's an executive giving it to a younger rising person or we give to our peers, is that encouragement is needed. Sometimes we do second guess, but it does not mean that we can't do it or don't want to do it or wouldn't relish it once we get there. And the other thing is I think there's a difference in the degree to which we will express our reluctance or be kind of confessional or something, you know, wonder out loud about whether or not we could do it rather than just jumping. And what the lesson here is, a good sponsor and a mentor will recognize not to take no for an answer or not to take hesitation for an answer and know that a little push, a little encouragement from this, you know, certainly the voice of the system says, no, no, you got what it takes, can make a really big difference. I totally agree. So let's spend a little time just
0: for the women who are listening. Let's provide some advice Related to how to seek out mentors and sponsors, how to recognize them, how to relate to them, what advice do you have for women?
1: Well, I would I would say the first thing is taking stock of where you are, where you want to go. You know, get clear on what your career ambitions are and what you need. And I think a really good way of framing it is not just where you want to go and roll, but what kind of impact do you want to have on the business? What kind of impact do you want to have on your teams and on the organization? And then what help do you need or support do you need in doing that? Then you look for the types of the the different array of mentors you might have. And mentors can be, as I mentioned before, they could be internal or external. They can be peers. They can be people who are like you or purposefully different from you. So they're bringing a strength that you don't have. And so some people ask, is it supposed to be some kind of matched affinity in a mentor? But actually, that could be just one kind of mentor. Actually, very few of these women, at least the ones I spoke to, had a mentor who was a woman specifically. I think a couple of them did, but it wasn't a long-term relationship. The mentor was someone who was helping them grow and helping uh, stretch them and that they were contributing to their business. So that would be the the first thing I would say is know what you need, also know that it needs to be reciprocal. So you're thinking about what value you you provide for others when you're in these relationships and you're always working to get results because it's not a, you know, it's not just a feel good kind of situation. By the way, it also evolves over time. So a mentor is not a lifelong Marriage necessarily. I don't think you need to approach somebody by the way and say, "Will you be my mentor?" I I think that (laughs) sets up an expectation that could get you that 10%. You mentioned that you know the woman who went around shopping for mentors; she got a 10% yes response. Is it doesn't have to be called a mentor. You identify someone who can help you expand your your skills, your impact, and your network. For example, you identify that person and you ask them, This is what I'm working on. You're great at this. Would you spend 15 minutes giving me some input about XYZ I'm working on? You don't call it a mentor, but you ask for advice. You go use the advice. Then you thank them and tell them how fabulous it was when you implemented it. And that sets up a feedback coaching loop, mentor loop that is very gratifying for people. And I think you can grow a relationship. That might, in retrospect, be called a mentorship that way in a much better mindset than telling somebody they have to call themselves your mentor. Yeah, I little... think that's a
0: really important point. I think so often it happens very organically and serendipitously. And if we let that evolve, there can be some real richness in those relationships. I think the other, the other thing I, I want to underscore, we talked about how, of course, it's not all warm and fuzzy. But there were some examples that these women CEOs cited where their mentors were a real mixed bag. There was a lot of positive and there was some negative. And they talked about make a conscious decision to get the best out of that person and recognize that you're going to have to look to multiple people for for what you need. And don't expect, you know, just like in, in a friendship or a marriage, don't expect one person to meet all of your needs and to be a perfect human being. And so I think that's the other part about just really accepting what's around you and what you can learn from from the people around you. What about the mentors and sponsors who are listening? And of course, we're talking about both men and women who might see women with high potential. What advice would you give to these folks?
1: There's a couple of things, and part of it depends on where she is in her career. So early on, it's about helping women build their credibility and with quantifiable types of roles. So it would be line leadership, be careful not to get caught with too much time in support roles, which are HR and marketing. And bear in mind, that's because we're looking at the role, the pipeline towards CEO. It's not that there's anything wrong with those support roles, but if you get in them for too long, you will miss the critical operational experience that leads to that top job. So that, that's part of it, is to help to steer her or advise what types of experiences and roles might be really useful at a given time in her career, and tell her why. I think what a really interesting thing that you and I have talked about this a few times that we noted was how little transparency there was with these women about why they were being given opportunities or told to do certain things. And we believe that that would be a really helpful thing to be honest about or straightforward about. Encourage diversity of experience, you know, across functions. Uh, across the enterprise. It may be suggesting expat experience earlier before there's a lot of roots, firm roots put down, things like that. So that would be the first one. And the other one is giving feedback. Find a way to give unfiltered feedback in a productive way that can be received. Recognize that it may be different from what you need or how you would receive feedback. You know, I wouldn't be shy about expressing that you want to help the person grow and sometimes that's challenging and that you want to be in a position to give them the unfiltered information that makes a big difference in whether they can thrive or not. So that would be another one. And what about women who are more advanced in their careers? I would say the things that they that are most important is exposure especially external stakeholders. So for example, the good sponsor will make sure there are tight board relationships, that they're getting to know key, maybe it's even shareholders or analysts, they are getting to know peers in the industry and tightening up those relationships. So you'd want to, as a sponsor or a mentor, you want to scan what her web of support is and allegiance, and make sure that that is a strong web inside and outside the organization. And one of the things you can do is to be an ear to the ground for her about perceptions that might be out there, uh, getting feedback that's invaluable. But it really is about the, the range of experience, the breadth, and then the connectivity to critical stakeholders as you go up. That's great. I think we get asked so
0: often from men who are allies, what can I do? I I want to help reverse the situation. I have daughters, I have women in my life I really care about, and I I want to see there be more equity as, as we go up the leadership ranks. And so I think just bottom line, help women navigate the system. If you understand how the game is played, help them see how the game is played and and what moves to make when and why and advocate Uh, and don't be shy about about tough feedback that might be hard for women to hear. Another thing that people have tentatively mentioned is, is needing a sponsor or a mentor a remedial thing? Like, is it special that women need this extra boost? in their careers and and why is that? And so before we close, I just want to explore this notion of is having a mentor or a sponsor special or indicative of not being able to do it on your own?
1: No, and I think that this is a really important clarification. Everyone needs it. You know, it takes a village to create an executive and especially a CEO. The reason that it tends to get focused on when you're talking about women or, by the way, other underrepresented groups, is that these relationships tend to happen less naturally with people who are not in the dominant group. And so suddenly you have to draw attention and have a label on it because you're trying to make that that trusting relationship where people are supporting each other in a, in a reciprocal way and everyone needs it. All we want to do is to make sure that it, in fact, is made available across your talent pool, not just not just for certain people because it feels more comfortable. It isn't that women need something different. It's they need the same thing. And this is closing some of the gaps of of what happens naturally versus what doesn't. So if we were to
0: do a similar study on male CEOs, we might hear a similar percentage of them, 70% or more, cite having an early mentor or a sponsor later in their careers as being one of the critical factors for their success and their growth. But you're saying it just might not happen as naturally for women who who are sometimes shut out of the dominant group.
1: That seems to be the case for the sponsorship in particular, and or it might be that they're not mentored on the types of things that really drive a career to that level. So part mm-hmm. of it is the nature of the conversations and the relationship, the conversations that we have with them and the studies that tend to show that particularly when it comes to that running interference, air cover Positioning somebody role of a sponsor that whoever's the dominant group tends to have that happen to them more naturally because they maybe because they're more easily seen as the fit that people have seen historically shine. So we could make lots of, I guess, guesses about what it is, but the patterns are pretty clear.
0: Well, Peggy, I want to thank you for joining me in this conversation where we took a deep dive into mentors and sponsors and how critical they were for the women CEOs and how women professionals can seek that out in terms of uh, leveraging the benefits for their own careers and um, really underscoring something we knew all along this was really critical. I think Mm -hmm. we just are now seeing how critical. So thanks so much. Thank you.
1: It was a pleasure.
0: So for those of you who are interested in hearing more about this study, you can go online and find the Women's CEOs Speak Research Report. And I also encourage you to listen to the rest of our podcast series. We started out the series with a deep dive on the research. Uh, we've discussed what organizations can do, what women can do, how to deal with sexism in the workplace. This conversation was about mentors and sponsors. And finally, we'll wrap up with a conversation about formative experiences. Thanks all for listening.